So I was born to an 18-year-old uh, single mom of a two-and-a-half, almost three-year-old little boy. And she was scared and poor and broken the day that I was born. And she sat in her hospital bed, she told me, and she had me in her lap bungled, bundled up in this soft little pink hospital blanket that they provided for her. And she said she held me there for a long time and she stared into my eyes and she wondered things that all new parents wonder, like, who is this kid? And who is this child going to grow up to be? And she wondered what my purpose was, what I was going to become or could potentially become in my lifetime. And she tells me that she had this acute feeling in her heart that I was not hers. Like she knew she had given birth to me, of course, she had named me, but she had this acute feeling in her heart that, I, that somehow that I was not hers. So she named me Stephanie Lynn Bradford. And in that hospital bed, she made a decision that she felt that she couldn't raise me and my brother David at the same time in her situation as an 18-year-old with no education and a minimum wage job. And so she made the heart-wrenching decision to relinquish me for adoption. And she began to go through adoption files and papers, and she looked at all these different families, and she selected for me a family that is um, who ultimately became my parents, a, a man that worked at an insurance uh, sales place and a woman who was a stay-at-home mom and an older brother because she still wanted me to have an older brother. And so she chose this family and they were absolutely amazing. And as soon as possible, I became the apple of my father's eye, like the most adored human being on the planet to him. And my mother was extremely kind, doted on everything, involved in everything, like one of those like picture-perfect moms. And as soon as they possibly could, they legally adopted me. And that decision that that woman made was probably the number one most life-shaping decision that was made on my behalf. Later, as I became a young adult, I made the choice to follow Christ. That was probably the most life-shaping decision. But this one that was made for me was probably the most significant one that someone else could have made to say that this other family should be the family that I would grow up in. My bio was forever changed. My bio was forever altered. No longer would I be Stephanie Lynn, but I was renamed J.L. Manglis. And, and that very act of going, my bio being altered from being raised by a single mom with very little resources, but a lot of love, into being raised by an average middle-class family with a dad with a job and a mom who could stay home and, and meet my every need, it, it altered my bio. My bio was altered because instead of moving as my birth mother did from city to city to apartment to condo to this boyfriend to that boyfriend, ultimately moving my siblings 12 times before they finished high school, I got to live in the same house from kindergarten through college in the shadows of the Packer Stadium. And that shaped my bio, that altered who I was as a human being as I grew up. Instead of having no dad involved in my life, I had a dad who adored everything, thought I was the smartest kid on the planet, stared at me, thought I was beautiful, thought I was kind, and helped build who I was. I went from disadvantaged to extremely advantaged, and it altered my bio. 
And I'm not the only one in this room who has been adopted. In fact, the scriptures teach us that if we have a relationship with God, that each one of us has been adopted by God. And as a result of that adoption, just like my adoption changed the course of my life, our adoption by our heavenly father alters our bio. It alters who we are and where we're headed and what we're going. And this month, we're going to be in a series called My Bio. And the idea is that we want to figure out, as individual people, what is your purpose? What is your identity? Why are you here? And the truth is that God has a plan and a purpose and an identity and a function and and a use and a destiny for every single person in this room. And if you have a relationship with God, then you have been adopted by him. And as a result, your bio... Your identity, what you're known for, should be completely altered and shaped in a beautiful and awesome way. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And he did this because he wanted to. God adopted us because he wanted to. He didn't adopt us because he had to. He didn't adopt us because he was infertile. He didn't adopt us because he was obligated. He didn't adopt us because we were poor and pathetic and had no. He adopted us, the Bible tells us, because he wanted to. And just like my adoption changed my bio, your spiritual adoption by your heavenly father should change your bio, should change your destiny and your identity and how you see yourself. I no longer call myself Stephanie. That seems weird. That seems completely foreign. Do I look like a Stephanie to you? No, that would be so strange. Like our adoption alters who we are and our spiritual adoption also alters our identity. So we want to dig into this this month. Like what is our bio? What is our identity? And there's four things I want to share tonight that I believe are true of everyone in this room. If you have a relationship with Christ, These four things are in every single one of our bios. And I want to dig into them. The first one is, you are wanted. If if you are a Christ follower, you've been adopted by God. You've been adopted because he wanted to. He wanted to adopt you. He chose you specifically and deliberately on purpose. And he wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to check off some religious box of an attendance chart or something to say you've done it. He actually wants to know you. He wants to talk to you and you to talk to him. He wants there to be a connection and like intimacy where you have inside jokes and you like to hang out and you're connected in significant ways. To you, God does not want you to feel or be an afterthought in his kingdom. He wants you to be so connected that you have this confidence that you're wanted and that you're desired by God. So I remember when there was something that I wanted so desperately and and deeply and truly with my whole heart. And it took place on my birthday in uh, February 9th in 2012. And I was at Red Robin with all of the 4640 staff and pastors. And everybody was there and we were just having birthday lunch for me. And it was pretty cool and we were all talking and my cell phone rang. And it was a social worker and she said, we have a baby boy and he's just been born. And can you talk about becoming his foster parents? Because we had already gone through the whole process of getting ready to adopt um, children. And so when my phone rang, I was like at the table sitting next to Sarah. And I just was like, 
uh. And so I went out into the parking lot at Red Robin behind the building by the camper place and I just started pacing back and forth. And this lady told me that he's a three pound, six ounce baby and he was born uh, 15 days ago and he's in the NICU at St. Mary's. And would I please go up and see him and talk to my husband and consider if we would like to become his parents. And I was just like, totally overwhelmed and awesome and like kind of freaking out and crying and stuff. So I called my husband and I was like, there's a baby and we're gonna adopt him, okay? Like you're on board with this, right? Lavelle's a smart man, so he obviously agreed. But I went up to the hospital. I went up to the hospital and I sat in this chair and I washed my hands like 87 times. And this is even before COVID, I washed my hands a lot. And I walked in there and I sat in this chair and the nurse placed in my arms and we actually have a photo of it. She, she took the photo. And there's, there's the first time I held him. And I looked at that little baby and you can't even really tell how little he is. He is 13 inches long in that picture. So I, put, I would put his head in my hand like this and his legs would reach right to about there, mid, mid arm, three ounces. A normal healthy baby is about eight pounds and a normal baby is 19 or so inches long, and Judah is 13 inches long, barely longer than a ruler. And so I was holding on to him, and I was staring at his little helpless self, and I knew that I wanted to be this child's mother more than anything else that I could imagine. Like, I was like, I, I, want, I want him. He is wanted. He is desired. I want to know what he's going to be like when he grows up. I want to have a relationship with him. I want to connect with him. I want to hold him and I want to see what his laugh sounds like and, and have conversations with him. I want him. And that's exactly how the Heavenly Father feels about you. Like he holds on to you in the palm of his hand, the Bible says, and he looks at you and he says, I want you. I want a relationship with you. I want to know your laugh. I want to talk to you. I want to connect with you. I want to know your dreams. I want to raise you. I want to be with you. And that's what the Heavenly Father thinks of when he thinks of the idea of adopting you. You're not an afterthought. You're not one of a billion, trillion people. You're like the one that he wants. And that's how I felt about Judah in that moment. And that's how God feels about you. So when we look at our identity, like what's our bio, like what's a core truth about who we are, it is we are wanted. We are wanted by a heavenly father more than can even be expressed in words. And a second truth that I want to make sure that we all know is in our bio is that we are wanted and we are a we're children of God. You are God's child. Romans chapter eight says this. It says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now call, we call him Abba, Daddy, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So we have this God who is the king of the universe, all power, all majesty, all glory, all authority rests on him and he holds the keys to everything. He's the king. And you as his son or his daughter adopted into the family are actually royalty as well. The Bible says that we are a royal priesthood. That means you are a prince or a princess. And as a child of God, as a child of the king, you have rights and you have privileges. 
But I don't think God names you prince or God names you princess so you can snap to the angels and have them fan you with a palm branch. God names you prince or princess because he wants you to have a purpose and a responsibility in the kingdom. You're not to be like a lazy prince drinking your lemonade. You're to be a prince that, ha- that, that accomplishes something to build up the kingdom of your king. That's why you're royalty. That's why you're a prince. So we all hear about the entitled princes that just, it's all about them and their comfort and they just take everyone's taxes and gold and, you know, in ages gone by, I guess, this is when this is happening, right? But, but now we hear about those types of princes, right? Or... You also have heard like folklore about princes who did something. They fought battles and wars and they they secured food for their nation or they built a wall to protect their people and they had a sense of purpose and identity. They taught children to read. They did significant things for their nation and we are prince and princesses with a purpose, not with an entitlement. We are his children and he has adopted us to say, I need you to do something real. I need you to do something significant. I need you to do something purposeful in my kingdom as my son with the delegated authority of being my child. And I think that's so significant that we try to figure out what is my purpose in this? Not just that I'm royal and spoiled, but like I'm royal for a reason to add value to the kingdom of the king. And as you recognize I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm a prince, I'm a princess, that's part of your identity that that enters in your bio, so, so you are wanted, you are a child of God, and the third thing I want you to know that's in your bio is you have his spirit. So I wanna read that exact same verse I just read in Romans 8 because it's so powerful to this truth. It, again, it says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So let's leave that verse up there. Well, you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, when you get Jesus, you get God the Father, and you get, you get the Holy Spirit. And so you are then led by the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of you. And when you receive that Holy Spirit of God, you don't receive a spirit. It says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's own spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba. Abba is the Hebrew word for Daddy. He wants that intimacy, that connection, daddy, father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm, to promise us, to remind us, to prove to us that we are actually God's children. Now, what this lets us know about our bio is it says that we're not fearful. And fear has really taken over our culture, taken over our generation lately. But here's the truth. In your bio is courage. In your bio is boldness. In your, in your bio is, is confidence. In your bio is all of these things that say, you're not, you're not fearful, you're not anxious because you're a son or a daughter who has prince and princess skills and you have the spirit. And because the spirit of God lives in you, you live with a confidence, a boldness and a power that's unmatched by the people around you. And so God wants you to know that we have his spirit. And if you're like, okay, but that doesn't seem that significant to you, I want to let you know that is one of the most significant things that is true about a child of God. Because, okay, so I've been youth pastor for 20-some years now right here at Fellowship, and in doing so, I've seen thousands of teenagers come through here. Let's be honest. Some come through here, check it out a couple months, 
maybe a year. Maybe they hang out here in middle school. By the time they get to high school, they ditch, they're out, and it's not that significant in their life. That breaks my heart. So I spent a lot of time thinking, why is that? Why do some kids just come through, but then other kids, they like resonate with God and what they learn in this place, and it, it shapes their complete personhood, their whole identity, their entire bio becomes built on this God thing. And it's not just rules, but it's relationship, and it's not just songs, but it's, it's worship, and, it, and it's not just words, but it's like whispers in their spirit. Like, what's the difference? And what I figured out over the last 20 years is the difference is this. Those who stay and connect to Christ for a lifetime figure out how to connect to the spirit of God. That's the difference. And those who just come and listen and play the games, they they almost never have a personal encounter with God that they can then go home and continue encountering that same God in in their room or in their car, just doing life. They, They don't know how to connect with the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the part of God that we connect with. God the Father is physically in heaven. Jesus is physically in heaven. The Holy Spirit is the part of God, the side of God that, that we actually feel and encounter and speak to and sense. And if, and if any student or adult comes to church and doesn't figure out how to encounter that spirit, how to talk to the Holy Spirit, how to know what he's saying, then they will leave here fairly unchanged maybe amused, maybe having laughed at Boris or something, but, but unchanged in their core. But if they can have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and learn how to not just have that encounter once, but, but to get back to that place of connection and intimacy with God over and over, over again in their life, they will never be the same. That's what happened to me as a young person. I, someone showed me how to do that. And so as a mom, I go, okay, I got my kids here. They're in church constantly. They attend church like 300 times a year. And um, how do I make sure that they don't just know the stories and the rules, but they actually know the spirit and they know how to make that connection? So I start thinking, I need to teach them. And there's there's seven, eight, and 10 right now. And um, I need to teach them how to hear the voice of God by listening to the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, if they can do it at seven, eight, and 10, that should give all of you confidence as teenagers that you can do it too, because that's like a second grader. So if a second grader can do it, it's not that hard. Okay. Don't tell Azariah I said that, but I know. Seriously, don't tell him. He'll be super mad. Okay. So I I thought to myself, what am I going to do in the next year or so to make sure that my three kids know how to do this? And then how can I take that same skill and make sure all of my students, all of, all of you in high school night, middle school, everybody knows how to do it. So I decided, by being led by the Lord, to decide that I'm going to have the boys figure out and hear from the Holy Spirit a theme for 2021. Like, what does God want to do in little eight-year-old Judah's life, in 10-year-old Benaiah's life? Like, what is the theme of the year? But I'm not going to tell them the answer. I'm going to have them ask the Holy Spirit and ha- let the Holy Spirit tell them. So I explain my idea to them, and one at a time I explain it, and then one at a time I pray with them, and I say, we're gonna pray about this every day for a week or so, and we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to give you a theme and for, for the year, and the way you hear it is the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, which all my boys are, the Holy Spirit lives down inside of you, and the Bible says it's like, out of your belly is where the Holy Spirit speaks, and so out of your belly is where you're gonna hear these themes, boys, and when you hear these themes, then they're gonna bubble up and, and eventually your brain's gonna get them, but you don't think them up and then speak them out. They come from the Holy Spirit within and then 
you speak them up, and then later your brain's like, whoa, that was cool. Um, so that was kind of the plan and I, that I established with the boys. And we started praying, and I was like, we're just going to take five minutes a night moving into the new year to ask God. And he, it, it's probably going to take like a week or two for you to really get an answer, so don't feel like dumb or stupid if it doesn't work out right away because I don't want them to be embarrassed, you know? So first night, explain the whole idea, pray with them. Second night, and, and nothing, they don't hear anything. We listen to the Holy Spirit. They don't really hear anything. The second night, each one of the three boys hears a word. And they, they say some stuff that's like crazy profound. Like Judah, he's eight. He says, I heard the word kindness. I heard, I heard it kindness bubble up. And I was like, what does that mean to you? And he goes, well, I think God wants to show me his kindness. And then once I see what God's kindness looks like, then I will know how to show more kindness to others. And, and, and push that kindness out into the world. Do you think, he, I mean, he's smart, but I think he could make that up at eight, right? That's pretty legit. My 10-year-old says, I know that I need, um, that my theme is wisdom. And my theme is wisdom because, because I, I know that I just decide things like, just decide it and I don't even think about it. I just find myself doing it. And I hear God telling me that's not right. That he wants to give me wisdom so I actually stop and think about my decisions and then pick the right thing. I, I have no idea how he realized that about himself other than the Holy Spirit revealed that profoundly to him. And I say all that to say, if they can do it, we can do it. And it's a privilege in our bio, in our identity that God says, all of my kids, my sheep know my voice. Jesus says, all of my kids will know what I sound like. And so that's why it's so awesome that not only are we wanted and not only are we his children, but thirdly, we have his spirit and his spirit is what begins to speak to us and through us. And the fourth truth in your bio is that you are an heir. And this is the heir like you inherit things, not like you're a mistake, right? So you are his heir. You inherit things from God. And, and the Bible throws this down in Galatians chapter four. It says, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Daddy, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. And as an heir you inherit, you're entitled to the same things that Jesus is entitled to. When my husband and I went to court to actually adopt our two oldest boys, the, the judge asked us a question and he said, will you allow this child that you're adopting today to inherit equally with all other children, both adopted and natural born? And we had to make a promise in court that our adopted children would be treated equally in inheritance to, to any child that we gave birth to. And I think that that's really cool because I think that's what God is saying in this Bible verse. That he's saying we are entitled by adoption into God's family to the same blessings that Jesus himself is entitled to. So Romans, 12, Romans 8, 17 says, and if we are his children, then we are his heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessings and inheritance. So the spiritual blessings that God the Father gives to Jesus, we're entitled to. That's what this verse is saying. And that's huge. That is mind-blowingly huge. So a couple days ago over Christmas break, it snows, right? And I'm like, this is awesome. I can send my children outside 
for hours. So I get them, you know, snow pants, boots, everything, push them outside, they play, they build a snow fort, they're having a grand old time. And eventually, the seven-year-old Azariah comes in the house and he says, um, I am cold. And I say, you may come in. I will not banish you to the snowlands any longer. So he comes in, he gets ready, gets all his wet clothes off, and he goes, Mom, can I have some hot chocolate? And I say, sure. So I make him some hot chocolate, and I put a nice, generous scoop of marshmallow cream on that, because it's not real hot chocolate, unless you, like, have 50% marshmallow cream. So I make that happen for the kid. He's so happy. He drinks his hot chocolate. Then he does what every seven-year-old boy does. He leaves his cup on the table. And um, he goes about his day. And a couple minutes later, my second son comes in, Judah, he's eight, and he says, And you know what that means, right? It means, right, I know too. But I act like I don't know, right? And he starts stomping around the house, having seen the hot chocolate cup with marshmallow cream stuck to the side, knowing exactly what it is. And he starts stomping around the house, being mad and making like mean faces at me. And this continues for about 20 minutes. And I think to myself, I know exactly what he wants, but I'm not going to just give it to him. I'm, I'm waiting for him to say, I'm bored. I'm a stay-at-home mom for one week, okay? I have nothing to do. So I decide, I'm going to make him ask me what, you know, and he doesn't. And finally, he just like explodes at the seams. And he's like, mom, it's so ridiculous and unfair. Azariah got hot chocolate with marshmallows, and I got nothing. And I say, hmm, did you ask? And he's like, can I have some hot chocolate with marshmallows? And I said, yes. And so I make him hot chocolate with marshmallows, cream, and he drinks it, and he leaves his cup on the table. And a couple minutes later, Benaiah comes in, and he blows right by those cups and says nothing. Meanwhile, in the kitchen is a cup for Benaiah's hot chocolate with the hot chocolate and the marshmallow cream sitting on the counter. But we start playing Super Mario Bros because it's awesome, and we're having a great time, and we forget about it. And two days go by, and then Benaiah hears from his brothers that two days ago, they had hot chocolate. It's now eight o'clock at night. And Benaiah says, oh, oh, oh. why can't I have hot chocolate? And I said, well, it's bedtime now. And you didn't ask. And I wonder how much blessings we could inherit from the God if we just asked. My one son didn't ask for a long time. My one son never asked and missed out. But like, if we're co-heirs with Jesus, we can have what Jesus has, is what the Bible says. But the Bible also says we have not because we ask not. And so sometimes I think we look at Jesus and we're like, oh, he's at peace. <laughs> I wish I had some peace with marshmallow cream, right? But I think the Spirit of God is saying, well, did you ask? Or Jesus, we, we look at Jesus and we go, oh, his sins are he's clean and righteous. Wish I was righteous. Okay, well, did we ask? We're co-heirs. So if Jesus has eternal life, we can have eternal life. If Jesus has hope, we can have hope. If, if Jesus has peace, we, we have access to it too. But at the same time, our heavenly father, I don't know, maybe he's a stay-at-home dad and he's bored. He's waiting for us to ask, to say, can I have some help? 
If Jesus can talk to the Father, then we can talk to the Father. If Jesus has his prayers answered, then we can have our prayers answered. But there's a spiritual principle that's in our Heavenly Father that says, but I actually, I actually kind of want you to ask. Because for me, it wasn't about the hot chocolate. It was about the connection with my kid and a little bit about torturing him, but I don't think that's the God part. Um, I, I wanted... I wanted my kid to talk. I didn't want him to come in and assume the worst of me. Like I wasn't gonna hook him up. I I wanted him to talk to me and be like, oh mom, can I like be all sweet and cute and like can I please have some? And then I give him a big hug and a huge that's what and I think when we're like, God, I'm so filled with anxiety and stress. <laughs> that's not attractive to God. <laughs> Instead, he wants us to go, I'm filled with anxiety and stress. Can please have like a huge scoop of peace in my life right now. I, I know my brother has it. I know Jesus has that peace. Jesus has that comfort. Can, can I just have a scoop of, of that, please? And all of a sudden, we're getting what Jesus got, but only because we're asking. And so I think about my adoption and how my adoption changed my bio. And then I think about my spiritual adoption and how my spiritual adoption changed my bio. And when I was born, Stephanie Lynn Bradford, whose I was, which I have a relationship with my birth mom, she's an awesome person, but whose I was in that situation would have been poor and broke and unstable mom who struggled with addiction and that would have shaped who I was. Whose I was shaped who I was physically and spiritually whose I am, God's, shapes who I am. Who you belong to spiritually shapes who you become. So if in your heart of hearts you belong to Jesus, you belong to God, you're an adopted son or daughter, you're wanted, you're a child, you're an heir, you have the spirit, then all of a sudden that becomes your bio. That becomes whose you are becomes who you are. But if you're not sure whose you are, then who you are will always be a giant question mark. And so I wanna try a little experiment and it's this. If my seven and eight and 10 year old kids could quiet themselves and listen and hear from God about their year by listening to the Holy Spirit, I think that as teenagers, each one of us could quiet ourselves and hear from God about our bio, about our identity. And so I gave you four things that's true for everyone in the room that you're wanted, that you're a child, that you have the spirit, that you're an heir. But there's other things, things that are more individual and more specific just to you that, that I believe God would want to reveal. And so I would just want you to like get comfortable for a second and close your eyes and quiet yourself. And this is what I did with my kids in their room the last couple nights. I just said, let's just be quiet. Let's just create quiet space. I didn't even have Joe for background music. It was just quiet, right? And I just, said, boys, ask God. And that's what I say to you. Students, ask God. What is something about my identity, something about who I am that comes from whom, who you are that you want to share with me tonight? 
Just ask the question. And if Jesus could ask it, you can ask it. If a seven-year-old can ask it, you can ask it. So just quiet your heart. Jesus, when you reveal, why don't you speak to each one of your sons and daughters, each one of your princes and princesses, something about who they are. So just quiet yourself. And from deep down inside, not your brain, but down in your innermost being, listen for his voice to whisper something about who you are. Someone just heard the word clean. You're clean. Your sins are forgiven. And you're clean. Someone's listening and they're like, I'm not hearing anything, but they, like a picture just flashed in their mind and they saw freshly fallen snow. And they heard the Spirit kind of give them that picture. Maybe it means you're beautiful. Maybe it means He's giving you peace. Ask Him what it means. Sometimes He speaks in pictures. You just quiet yourself. telling someone that you're powerful. And I think that person particularly has felt powerless in their life, like the victim in a really funked up family situation. They felt powerless. But God's letting you know you're not powerless, you're powerful. someone saw a picture where the object is broken but then put back together and God wants you to know that you're whole that even though certain things in life tried to break you that God remade you
So this process of listening, maybe you heard something already, maybe you haven't yet. Sometimes I'll sit for a while and I won't hear anything and that's okay. Just come back later. Create this same like sweet, gentle spot in your car, in your house and invite the Holy Spirit into the room and then just ask him this same question. Throughout the month of January, this is the plan. Like we're gonna ask God, like we know that we're yours. So what does that say about who we are? We belong to you. Now, who are we? And there's some things that'll be true for all of us, like the four truths I taught tonight, but there'll be some things that are just true to you from God that are specific to your calling and your purpose. And you can hear it. And he wants to tell you. And if you can figure out how to tap into that, it will change your whole spiritual dynamic from just coming to a place and thinking it's fun or funny and sometimes you feel tingly feelings here to your entire identity and purpose and destiny is altered because you really encountered God. And that's my deepest prayer for each one in this room or who's ever been in this room. God, thank you we are yours and you are ours. Thank you that you made each son a prince and each daughter a princess, that you gave each one a purpose and work to do in your kingdom. And thank you that by your spirit, you wanna to begin to speak these things to us. Even now in our youth, you wanna tell us things and reveal things to us. And God, we don't just want to be entertained. We want to encounter you. We want to come close to you. We want to know what it sounds like to hear your sweet voice. And, and we want to know how to connect with you in a way that takes all of this stuff and makes the one-dimensional thing three-dimensional. The one-dimensional relationship with you becoming three-dimensional. God, that's what we want. We pray for each student in this room that their, their ears in their spirit would be open to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit coming up from their innermost being where they invited you to dwell, that you would reveal to them, even in just these next three weeks, who they are, who you created them to be and why, what the purpose is, what the plan is, what the identity is that you put into them. God bless them with that gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, we love you so much and go have some fun and we'll see you next Tuesday night. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.